you want a title for the teaching today, it's Give the Sun Away. 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 So, um, Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Everybody knows the story. So, we'll start there. It's along the lines of what we've been doing for the last one month, where um, we've, been, we've been trying to uh, be bold in our praying, bold in going out and uh, speaking to people once we pray. So it's not just praying for the world. It's okay if we prayed and you're asking us to go down to the uh, train station to speak to somebody or you're asking us to do something about what we prayed, uh, here we go. Last Sunday, um, I think Jane was leading worship and she kept in bringing up the topic of healing. This uh, last prayer meeting was Thursday. Derek um, brought up the theme of healing. And so the intent is, can we now not just preach the good news to the poor, but after we preach the word, can the works give evidence of the word? And can the word point towards the works? So uh, we're still going down that line. So Acts chapter 3, verse 6. And I know you know this. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Guys, the thing is, no, we have nothing else to give. We have nothing else to give. The only thing we have is the sun. This is something that has to settle in my heart. Eh? I begin to think that I have something else to give. I begin to think maybe it's my ability to... Um, talk and convince somebody. I begin to think perhaps it's apologetics. I begin to think it's perhaps money. I begin to think it's perhaps um, inviting someone home and engaging them in a discussion. All those are methods. But the only thing that you have that you can give away is the sun. There's nothing else you can give away. You can only give away the sun. At the end of the day, all the other ways are methods, eh? and we get stuck with the methods. Especially in the Western world, sitting and talking about methods and finding the best method and writing a book on the best method. Man, the amount of money made on books talking about methods is crazy. I'm hoping that we don't fall into that trap where we end up being a church that prays over every method and does nothing with the method. Because the only thing we can give away is the sun. And so this idea of Acts chapter 3, 6, where it says, silver and gold have I not. I remember going to a printing shop in Richmond. And the guy came up to me and he said, um, I've got a headache. And I just read Acts chapter 3 that morning. And he said, I've got a headache. And for some strange reason, out of my mouth came the words, silver and... He said, I have a headache. Do you have an aspirin or an anacin tablet in your car? And my response was, anacin and aspirin, I have none. But such as I have, give idea. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you speaking in old English? Speak proper. And so I said, Randy, I can pray for you. And so I prayed for him, and I didn't expect anything to happen. I thought in the sweet by and by, his headache will go away. Instead, the guy starts shaking his head, and he says, my headache is gone, my headache is gone. And I think I was as surprised as him, because you don't expect things to go away so quickly. But it says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The only thing that you and I have that we can give away is the sun. That's all we have to give away. But here's the problem. 
you only give away what is precious to you when you love you only give away what is precious to you when you love i love jesus christ hey i love the holy spirit i love the father there's nobody else i like more than the father but here's the problem i'll never give away something so precious and so important to me unless i love someone else you never give away what is precious unless you love and our problem as christians is we find him so precious that we keep him this now takes us right into john 3:16 where it says god so loved therefore he gave and our unfortunate predicament is that we do not love enough and who are we supposed to love the same thing that he loved like crazy the world and yet we are the guys who isolate ourselves saying we are christians we are the church we got to be stay separate from the world hey rotting meat needs salt it preserves it and so here's the thing god so loved that he gave his son therefore it is required of me to love to a point where i give away the son if i do not love the world i will not give away the son i'll keep him in the church and that's it so here's the thing then we must we must decide that we will build this church only for the world we are not building this church so we can have worship services we are not building this church so that we can have fellowship we are not building this church so that we can get stronger you cannot get stronger than this you get stronger than this it goes into fat you can only get fatter from here on you cannot get stronger because you got all the strength you need what we need to do now is get to a place where we build this church only for the world what do you mean build this church only for the world some project some mission no we build ourselves and we give it away because the only thing that we have to give away is the son he is precious to you but if he is precious to you the only way he is going to be given away is if you love the world more and so i would suggest to you that we have a few things changed in our prayer life one of them is that i'll build the church for the world build the church for the world that's one two from now on every day begin to ask god god is saying ask me for love for the world every morning begin to ask him father can you give me love for the world and how will it look you'll begin to notice people you'll begin to notice things you'll begin to have this urge to go up and speak you will begin to have a boldness that comes over you you'll begin to know the one that needs even though he's not expressed his need you'll begin to know the one who uh, is ripe to be plucked even though she hasn't said anything that's what begins to happen when you ask the lord to give you a love for the world just like he does because i will not give away what is precious to me unless i love here's the other thing guys to give god is saying to give my son away to give my son away you have to give to give my son away to give my son away you have to give up big word self preservation 
To give my son away, you have to give up self-preservation. And alongside self-preservation, you have to give up your dignity. Because you can't give up the son without giving up your dignity. You cannot give the son away without giving up your dignity. He had to give up his dignity. We're talking about the son of God, eh? We're talking about the one who created the world, hanging naked on a cross. It's humiliating. He was paraded naked through the streets. We just put a cloth on him in the movies so that he has some semblance of dignity. He had none. So it's not possible to give the son away. Jacob cannot give the son away till Jacob decides that he's going to give up self-preservation and he's going to give up his dignity. And both are things we hold on to so tightly, so tightly. I cannot give him away if I don't give up those two things. Here's the problem, guys. Jesus still lives, but he lives in me. Therefore, if I have to give him, I have to give him up through this veil of flesh. I have to lose my dignity. I have to lose self-preservation if I want to give him away. Any questions? Any thoughts? Self-preservation seeks one's comfort first. Self-preservation seeks to solidify one's dignity, reputation, safety first. Self-preservation chooses um, to think that God would not ask me to give this up for his sake. Self-preservation um, seeks to keep oneself safe at the risk of someone else not being safe. You know when that couple that I showed you in Varanasi, when, someone, when the Lord told them to leave South India where they were very, doing very well as pastors and go to the Mecca of Hinduism, it's an odd oxymoron, um, they decided, okay, they'll pack up and leave. And uh, they had a six-month-old baby. And they take the baby and go. People are telling them this is a really bad idea. Let your child grow up. Uh, and then perhaps you can think of it. But very clearly God said go. They had about hundred bucks in their pockets. They put, take the hundred bucks and they go. Here's the problem. They don't speak the language. It's a completely different language. It's like French and English. They know words like we and that's about it. And so they go up and now they need a place to stay. They finally find someone who gives them a place to stay. For three, four days they don't eat. The child doesn't eat. You would think that is just heinous and how can you do something like this to your child? But they knew God had told them he'd take care of them, so they kept trusting. God tells him, tells the guy, listen, this is a city where devotees come three times a year and they do a circle of the city. It's about 20 kilometers around the city. So God tells him, you do a Jericho walk around the city. And so the wife with the six-month-old and the husband, they start walking around the city. 20 kilometers, man. Sometimes it would take them three days to cover it. And they'd go around it. Did it six times quietly. The seventh time, they started singing and doing it. Went around the city. It took them almost a month and a half to finish the seven rounds. And then they meet a guy. And the guy has a sickness that has been continuing for years on end. Every time he takes a medicine, the sickness ends. As soon as the medicine wears out, he gets sick again. Has been going on for three years. Very specifically told to go to him. They go meet him and they begin to tell him about Jesus in broken language. They can hardly get it across. 
All they keep saying is Jesus heals, Jesus saves in the language that they know. The guy asks for healing. They pray for him. He gets instantly healed. Story after story after story. I spent two, day, two days there. I spent more time with the people in the church than with the pastor because I wanted to hear their stories. He brings 40 people in his family to the church. They get a translator. They begin to speak in English and it's translated into Hindi. There must be an end to self-preservation and dignity in our lives if the son has to be given away. It's an extreme cause we have, eh? We have an extreme king. There's nothing moderate about him. Nothing balanced about him. We should spit on balanced Christianity. I know I'm coming across very aggressive right now, but we need to spit on balanced Christianity because it has no place in the kingdom. It's a counterfeit. Any questions, any pushback, any disagreements? Balanced Christianity is one that says, uh, no, we need to follow Jesus and uh, uh, yes, we should worship him, but we uh, shouldn't uh, step into people's space and we shouldn't think that he'll speak to us. We shouldn't believe that he'll heal. He's sovereign. We use his sovereignty as a mask to hide behind. We, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's taming the lion of Judah. It is taming the lion of Judah where he becomes, where, where he's no longer Jesus Christ, the only one who can save. He's no, no longer Jesus Christ, the only one who'll ask you to do stuff like go around a city six times quietly and the seventh time sing. He's no longer the one who will say, I don't need you to go to your work today. I need you instead to take a day off and lose your salary and go and sit at this McDonald's because at 11 a.m. I'm going to send someone there and you're supposed to talk to him. This kind of Christianity sounds absurd, but it is what the book of Acts is made up of. This is what the book of Acts is made up of. There's a reason we call ourselves Acts 29. Time to live up to that name. Where's Jeevan? Shout Amen occasionally. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Any questions, guys? Okay. <laughs> ah, I could tell you so many stories. Another guy called Ramesh, he sat next to me and he told me how he was a guy who was a local um, witch doctor. He said, I didn't do harm to anybody, but when people come to me, I would begin to um, help them. He said, all the witchery I did was only helpful. I never did anything to affect people. And so he said, and then one day my wife falls sick. Her belly begins to bloat. I take her to many doctors. I take her to multiple witch doctors. Nothing happens. I begin to pray. Nothing happens. I invoke every spirit I know to help her. Nothing happens. So finally, I don't know what to do. And I tell God, the gods that he used to worship that you are useless because you do nothing for me. And then someone comes and tells them that there's a church and a 
pastor, why don't you go pray there? And so he takes his wife there and uh, goes there and the pastor just prays a simple prayer. And he said, nothing happened. I took her home and I told God, you heal my wife and if this is true and this is you, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. He said about nine o'clock in the night, we went back home. By midnight, her stomach starts going down in terms of the swelling. By about 12.30 or one in the night, he says she gets completely healed after three years or two and a half years of great pain and of every God and spirit you could appeal to. And he said, how does that happen in three hours? And he said, that day I decided that I will only follow Jesus, turn my back on my gods, turn my back on witchcraft and walked away. And the guy said, so many people in my family now belong to Jesus. This is a recurring story, guys. So you think God is any different here? You think the spirits are not present here? That all the spirits have gone to India? They're in the Western world as much as the Eastern world. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Guys, in that name, eh, there is the nature of God. In that name, there is the nature of God. So when he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what he's saying is, listen, I'm talking about a name that reveals the nature of God. Reveals the nature of God. I'm talking about a name. Hebrews 1.3 talks about it. He, he's talking about a name that um, is the will of God. 1 Corinthians 1.20 talks about that. That every promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He's talking about a name uh, that has all the power of God. And he's talking about a name, Acts chapter 3.16 talks about it. And he's talking about a name that has salvation in it or sozo in it. And when we use the word salvation, remember, it means rescue. And it means rescue from sin, from the penalty of sin, from sickness, from physical danger, from false doctrine, and from Satan. Salvation, sozo, is basically a rescue. Rescue. When we talk about salvation, we're not just talking about being born again. We're talking about God as a rescuer. God as a rescuer. God who rescues me from sin. God who rescues me from the penalty of sin, which is death. God who rescues me from physical danger. God who rescues me from sickness. God who rescues me from false doctrine. God who rescues me from Satan. This is what the word salvation means. And therefore, when it says that there is only one name under heaven and earth, through which salvation can come. Yes, it's talking about our sins being undone, but it's also talking about this whole package eh, that Jesus offers. And you see it in Psalm 91. In the name of Jesus Christ, is actually talking about, hey, Jacob, whenever you use in the name of Jesus Christ, you are saying that this is the nature of the son of the living God. You are saying, this is the promise that he will back up because he is the son of God and his word is faithful. 
you are saying that there is no other power on the face of the earth but the power that belongs to Christ and he's the one who gave any power to anybody that exists this is the power this is what I'm saying when I say in the name of Jesus Christ when I say in the name of Jesus Christ I'm talking about what he can rescue you from guys we got to marinate in this so that every time we use the name of Jesus Christ we understand what we're saying in the name of Jesus Christ Go over it again and again and again. In the name of Jesus Christ, it reveals the nature of the Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, it reveals the power, the only one who has power in the universe. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is his promise and he'll be faithful to his word. In the name of Jesus Christ, he is a rescuer. And look at the stuff that he rescues me out of. That is the name that I bring to you and that is the name that I now speak. We begin to think like this, eh? And as we begin to think, we inhabit you only inhabit what you think and when you begin to think like God imagine what you're inhabiting and then he says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I mean where did these guys get the audacity to say walk man Jesus has just died and gone at least when he was around, you know that you had a backup plan. If you, didn't, if you failed at it, Jesus would help. Because that happened many times. They tried to cast out a demon from a boy. Nothing happened, so Jesus came down the mountain, he cast it out. And sure, they'd get rebuked, oh you of little faith. But you had a backup. Now Jesus is gone. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. So... We see this again. Guys, remember, it's always the Father who heals in the name of... It's always the Father who heals through Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 30, after they were threatened, listen to their prayer from 4.28 onwards. Oh God, you have seen the threats. Now give us the boldness and stretch out your hand in signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. So again, there's this idea of the Father healing through Jesus Christ. The Father healing through Jesus Christ by the presence of the Holy Spirit who's there. And so when I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk, what I'm saying then to Heidi is, hey Heidi, I'm speaking on behalf of God, whose will and nature it is to now rescue you from your lameness and help you to walk. And as I say walk, it is the hand of God that is going to give you the strength to walk. It has nothing to do with me. Everything rests on Jesus and therefore this is what I now speak. You've got to go over this again and again. Eh? Our fear when we pray for people, regardless of whether it's a lame or whether it's a simple problem with sorrow, is we are not com completely convinced that anything will happen. That is not in my hands. It is in the hands of Jesus Christ. So when I say to her, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk, what I'm saying is, it is the Father's will and nature for you to walk. So as I speak, he will stretch out the hand of his holy servant Jesus and will touch you so that you become whole. I just speak, he's the one who acts. Got to get used to it. So scared of it, eh? Hold on to our dignity and our self-preservation. Got to get used to it. All of us, all of us. Nobody should have to bring people to the church building, man. 
Any questions? So when you look at Acts 3.16, it says, look at Acts 3.16. It says there, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him perfect health in the presence of you all. Let me read that again from the NIV. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. So the question is, whose faith are they talking about? Whose faith? Is it the man's faith? Whose faith are they talking about? Look at it again. Acts 3.16 By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Whose faith? Faith in the name of Jesus, but whose faith? Is it Peter's faith? Is it the uh, lame man's faith? Whose faith? Jesus Christ is the one we put our faith in. But who is exerting faith here? Is it the lame man or Peter? Yeah, it's Peter. The lame. Because the Bible says that the guy was looking for arms and where anybody showed faith, the writer would usually say, and they had faith. So rather than read into what is not written, let's just stick with what's written because there are places where it says someone exerted faith. So in this case, it was Peter's faith, guys. Peter had faith for the man to be healed. And therefore, Peter is the one who reaches out and holds his hand and pulls him up. Peter had faith in Jesus for the man to be healed. Now let's look at Acts 14.8. Acts 14.8. There's another lame man in Acts 14.8. In Acts 14.8, there's another lame man. And look at what happens in Acts 14.8. Paul this time. And Paul, seeing that the man had faith to be healed, says to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. You got both, guys. There are times when someone else before you does not have the faith. And God will give you the faith for the person. By the way, Peter had passed this man many times. It wasn't the first time that he's seen this guy. He used to go for prayer every day. Why is it that this never happened before? In Acts chapter 3 it says, And through the faith that Jesus gave Peter, Peter looked at the man and said, Arise and walk. Sometimes you have to be conscious of the fact that you may have gone past a situation four, five, six times and then there will be a day when Jesus will give you the faith required for that person to be recovered, rescued, healed, whatever. Because it's specific to a certain day or a certain time in a person's life. There's that. And then there's the other side of the equation where sometimes people have the faith to be healed. In Acts 14, the person had faith to be healed. And so Paul just says to him, Take up your bed and walk. And if you notice in Acts 14, the man springs up himself. He doesn't need help to be pulled up. Both were lame. There is a need to be very conscious of people around us, eh? So you know when, you know how, you know what. And then there's a third way. And we'll... 
talk about that and end. So the first way is you exert the faith. You exert the faith because God shows you something. God supplies you the faith for the moment. It's almost like a gift of faith sometimes. But God supplies the faith required for that moment for a man to be fully healed or fully recovered, fully rescued, fully comforted, fully put back, fully delivered, fully saved. Doesn't matter what. There are times when you will have passed that way a million times and then it's a million and one time and God says, I will now supply you the faith to do what is required for this man because this is the right time. So that's one instance. Then the second instance is where you meet somebody and as you're speaking and telling them about Jesus, the person has what it takes within them. Faith rises within them. But you and I have to be conscious of it. It's fascinating. Paul is walking and he looks at him and he says, Paul saw him and he said, this man has the faith to get up and be healed. He, he saw faith in that man. Jesus saw it many times. Jesus would go places and he would realize that there was faith present and he knew things would happen. To be conscious of the fact that there are people who have faith. And faith comes by hearing. So it requires that I speak about Jesus. Tell them who he is. Hey, remember one thing, eh? John 3.16 doesn't say God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that none may be sick and all shall have physical life. Very often in maybe hyper-Baptist and Pentecostal and charismatic circles, we make healing the main thing and we forget that a man can be healed and go to hell. Healed in hell is no big deal, eh? It's as bad. You got everything intact. But the verse says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none may perish. So I need to present Jesus as the Savior and as Lord and as one who does is of, is of surpassing worth that none can compare. I must present Jesus like that. And then that creates faith in people's heart to respond. And we must open our mouths and do that. If I call Emmanuel up right now, if I call Emmanuel up right now, if I call Emmanuel up right now, and I put him on the spot, and I told him that we were all pagans and he needs to tell us something about Jesus, what would he say? I would say that Jesus is great. <laughs> Jesus is wonderful, is excellent, and Jesus is greater than the God you speak about. Why? He's done great things in my life, a lot. Mm. <laughs> Why are you putting me on the spot? <laughs> Just but, but just wait. This is exactly what happens to us. We are put on the spot and we don't know what to say. We know everything in here. But we don't know what to say when we are put on the spot. You think he doesn't know that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world? You think he doesn't know Christ died on a cross for his sins? You think he doesn't know that he rose again? He's born again. But we end up with words like he's wonderful, he's powerful, he's great. But so is my God. Or my gods. 
We need to be able to phrase so quickly things for people. Eh? In Acts 3, Peter is speaking to a Jewish audience and he begins to talk about the one from Nazareth, which would make no sense to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 14, Paul is speaking to a group of Gentiles and he begins to talk to them about a God who created the earth and the heavens and who sends rain and who now needs people to worship him and not idols. The context changes, but I must be able to phrase. And may I suggest to you that we do not know how to phrase. I could put anyone else on the spot and we'd have come up with the same words. He's wonderful, he's great, he's powerful. And all of it is true and it reflects what he really thinks and believes. I don't know why I picked on you. I should have picked on someone else uh, that's uh, not as nice as you. Yeah. He forgives me. <laughs> Thanks, Emmanuel. I'll call you up again in two minutes. You better have it right. Thanks, so. Uh, it's exactly where we are at, Emmanuel. All of us. It's exactly where we are at. I pray God that we phrase it at home, eh? Because guys, if this teaching is relevant in terms of the timing of God for this church, then we are going to be put into situations where we will have to phrase things right. Not when you're ready and going to Wally. When you're half sleepy and not interested in God. That's when it happens. Okay, the third option is... Um, Acts 10.38 Acts 10.38 I know you all know it Acts 10.38 And it says And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth With the Holy Spirit and power And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth With the Holy Spirit and power And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Acts chapter 10, 38. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. So here's, here are the questions. Has God anointed you? Has God anointed you? Answer, 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22. Has God anointed you? Has God anointed you? 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. One of the things that is to come is not just heaven. One of the things that is to come that we miss out as Christians is there is this thing called the kingdom that is going to come. The rule of the king that is going to come. One of the things we are supposed to do is give people a taste of what that kingdom looks like already. We can't give them a taste of heaven because we don't know what heaven looks like. But we certainly can give them a taste of the kingdom because we do taste the kingdom. This kind of brotherhood, sisterhood, fellowship, nobody else has. 
the presence of a living God in your presence nobody else has people healed if I were to give you the mic there would be at least 40 stories of healing in the next two hours in your life comfort surety of eternity nobody has this it's a taste of the kingdom that is to come and the question is has God anointed you and the answer is absolutely he's anointed each one that is here second question with whom has he anointed me with whom has he anointed me with whom has he anointed me I know it's a dirt question but he has anointed me with the Holy Spirit and with power. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Oh, sorry, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Who has he anointed me with? He has anointed me with the Holy Spirit and with power. At this present moment, as you sit there, and I'm standing and walking and talking, he has anointed, as in he has poured, as in he has smeared, as in he has filled, as in he has immersed me with the Holy Spirit and with power, in the Holy Spirit and with power. Third question. What is the power for? What is the power for? Answer, to do good. To go around doing good. To heal those harassed, bound, um, under the power of the devil. Where does it say that? Mark 16, 16 to 18. And then the last question, again a dirt question, is... is I keep thinking the step is here. Is God with me? Is God with me? Hey, go over this again and again till it becomes your matrix, huh? Go over it again and again till it becomes your matrix. These are the three methods we need to employ. Sometimes we have to use faith. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. If I don't have the faith for it, God says, I will give you the faith. The faith that comes through Jesus. Peter exerts the faith. The man walks. Sometimes it's not your faith. It's a faith that arises in a man's heart because of what he hears. Therefore, I need to speak about Jesus. And once I tell him who Jesus is, then faith begins to arise. As faith begins to arise, it is his faith that causes the man to be rescued and to walk. And then there's finally Acts chapter 10, 38, where it says, but Jacob, even if those two were not present, you need to be aware that I have anointed you with the Holy Spirit and with power. I have anointed you for one reason alone, so that you can go around, not sit, go around, doing what? Doing good. And doing what else? Doing good and setting people who have been oppressed or under the power of the devil to have them healed. This is why I anointed you with power. These are the three methods that we have to use. 
going forward, every one of us. Any questions? How do we know that someone is under the power of the devil? Good question. Um, one, uh, their behavior. Two, their response to the name of Jesus. Uh, three, consistent patterns of sometimes sickness, habits, addictions, uh, trauma, emotions that rage that are beyond your control, that even though we are humans, we cannot control. Uh, four, um, because of years of worshipping other gods, they have a certain dominance over the way you function, the way you think. So if you look in the New Testament, you'll find these telltale signs always followed those that um, were in any which way oppressed, harmed, under the power of the enemy. Because God never intended sickness for us, eh? Never. Never intended sickness for us. When he made us, he never intended sickness for us. Just as when you have a child, you never intend the child to be harmed. All sickness came after the fall. Because of sin. That's how it entered the world. I'm not saying we sin, therefore we are sick. I'm just saying sickness came because of sin. And now God is saying, hey, can I rescue? Can I rescue? Can I rescue? Oh, you want rescue? Great. I got someone called Betty that I can send to her. So he wakes up Betty and sends her. Betty says, I don't have faith. Jesus says, I'll supply the faith. Betty goes and starts talking about Jesus. Faith arises. The person begins to recover. Other times, Betty does not have the faith. The person does not have the faith. And Betty remembers Acts 10.38. That the Spirit of God has anointed me just like it did Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And I'm supposed to go out. And I'm supposed to do good. And I'm supposed to heal everybody who is under the power of the devil. This is common to everyone. It doesn't matter which denomination, how old you are as a believer. You can be trained in this. If you think like this, we'll inhabit this space. Any questions, guys? I'm done. So Jacob, why is healing so important? Because it draws attention and because it attests to the risen Christ. That's why healing is important. It draws people. Acts chapter 3 verse 11. When they saw the lame man walked, a crowd gathered. What, what else? Signs and wonders attest to the risen Christ. Signs and wonders attest to the risen Christ. We cannot sterilize the church of these. Just because you and I haven't been successful doesn't mean a truth should be swept under the carpet. Come on, man. How long are we going to do this? Just because I haven't found something successful, I'm going to sweep it under the carpet? Your batting average goes up as you bat more. It attests to the risen Christ. And so it should be a non-negotiable that we as a church must pledge not to bypass. It is a non-negotiable that we as a church must pledge not to bypass. That, oh God, we will not bypass speaking about you, Jesus, first as Savior and then as Lord. You cannot preach him as Lord till you first preach him as Savior. He must save before he can be Lord. 
You can't ask someone, hey, do you want Jesus as Lord? He has to be saved first. I know I've said this before, but it's critical. We offer Jesus as Lord to people that have not been saved. You have to offer him as Savior first. Because if one does not need to be saved, then one does not need to acknowledge one's sins. This is the hard part in today's culture, right? You got to tell her that, hey, you need a savior. She asks why? Because you have sinned and therefore you need to be saved. She has to be now bankrupt enough, humble enough to acknowledge the need for a savior. Now that she asks to be saved, you present to her the savior, Jesus Christ. Now he becomes Lord of her life. But I can't go up to her and say, hey, do you want to accept Jesus as Lord? Because that is easy, man, because you don't have to acknowledge your sin. That's a non-negotiable. We should not bypass that in this church. That we will present Jesus as one who is Savior and Lord. And two, we will walk under Acts 10, 38, 3, 6, and uh, 14, 8. Saying there's more that we offer than Jesus Christ. We give the Son away. 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 I'll end with this last line. Years ago, when this church started, in 2006, <laughs> as I get older, some stories I keep repeating, you just have to put it to old age. Bob does that all the time uh, with his jokes. And so, um, um, there was a lady here called Betty, not this Betty, another Betty. And uh, Betty went to an all-night prayer meeting, Glad Tidings. And there was a guy there by the name of Keith Abraham, who was very prophetic and he didn't know Acts 29, he didn't know anyone in this church and Betty goes up and she, this guy comes to Betty and says your church, Acts 29, has wells of healing wells of healing in this church and I'm saying to you the time has come to roll away the rock on top of those well, that well man everybody needs to begin to think like this, engage like this we got to be foolish man You've got to be foolish, not in the church. You're all very foolish in the church. This is a very foolish church. But now we've got to be foolish in the world, eh? You've got to be foolish in the world. Come back with stories of absolute awkwardness and foolishness and failure. That'll be something else, eh? I can see Nick doing it. Anyways... We'll stop with that. Any questions, guys? Yep. I just want to give a quick testimony. Um, I think the... <clears throat> I'll try and talk like an Indian. <laughs> oh. We... Um, uh, I think the third reason, maybe from my side, is why the people that are healed is neither, neither did I have the faith, neither the person, but Jesus wanted to show off. Uh, I was walking into a shop about three years ago to have my cell phone fixed, and it was a Muslim owner, and I know the owner of the shop, and I know he's Muslim, and his counter is quite high, and so I'm standing there saying, can I please have my phone fixed, and a, a lady walks in behind me, but she's walking like this. And she just puts her phone on the counter, and she can hardly lift her head. And I'm thinking, oh no. I mean, my first thought is, oh no. 
I don't want to pray for her. This is a Muslim. It's his shop. It's his territory. And I can see this lady's in pain. So she's like, just fix my phone, please. And I'm saying, I'm going, and I know Jesus saying, pray for her. And I go, please, Jesus, I do not want to pray for her. Not here. Let's do it outside. And something just came over me, no faith. And I, and I said to the lady, what's wrong? She says, I've got a terrible headache. But not like nice, it's like bent over, I've got a terrible headache. And I'm like, well, let's pray. Can I say, can I pray for you? She said, yes. I put my hand on my shoulder. And now the, the Muslim owner is standing right here looking. And I, I don't want to say Jesus. So I just say, be healed. <laughs> and I step back and I'm thinking, this is not going to work. And she says, and I say, is it any better? She goes, there's like a slight relief. Now I'm like, what? There's a slight relief? And I didn't say Jesus, because I'm thinking of the Muslim guy. The, the slight relief gave me so much confidence that I then stood up and said, I need to pray for you again. Let's get rid of this headache. So this guy's leaning in, and I'm praying, and I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> she pops up. She goes, my headache's gone. Like, gone. This guy's staring, and I'm going, I don't know what to do now. And I just like, the miracle is the seed for him. She, she runs out. I didn't even get her name or anything, but Jesus was glorified. And I think Jesus wants to show off. And the second one, really quickly, Ava, I asked Ava, and she's really excited about me telling the story, is last week we were in um, Eric's church, and during the worship, Ava hears this sound, this voice, saying, pray for the lady behind you. So when we came off, we were worshiping and we, we got to the chair and she asked us, Daddy, can I pray for the lady behind us? Or she asked Mommy. And mommy said, yeah, sure, let's pray for her. And Ava prays over the, the lady and she just says, you will live and not die. That's what the voice said. You will live and not die and you are blessed. And we sat down. After the meeting, the woman came to us. This was the first time she was ever in Eric's church. She said, I just got a report in the week that I have kidney failure and that the doctor is giving me a few months to live. And the Lord can use, the Lord can use anybody. A seven-year-old, she hears the voice of God. So this is just some testimonies for you guys. So this week, man, and for the rest of your life, just go and be just so foolish, but out there, not in here. Yeah, come back with such stories of, you don't know what happened, but I did something really foolish. Yeah, got to be like those guys. Always remember the Holy Spirit is provoked by your foolishness. The Holy Spirit is always provoked by foolishness. And by foolishness, all I mean is when, you, when you're no longer preserving self or your reputation or your dignity. Cool. You gotta baptize people. Uh, besides Megan and Annie, is there anyone else who wants to be baptized? Anyone? Because the Ethiopian said, Look, I see some water. <laughs> yeah, he did. And so he got baptized. So you don't, uh, uh, we can do a baptism class after the baptism. Anyone who wants to get baptized? 
Cool. So we'll have uh, Annie go in first and then uh, Megan after. Hey, Danny boy. Sure. Hey guys, just remember one thing. Hey, we baptized them with water, but then I'm reminded of what John the Baptist said. I baptize with water, but he baptizes with Holy Spirit and fire. So once they're baptized and they come out, we'll pray that the Holy Spirit fills them. And uh, why are we praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit? Because it'll empower them or give them extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry, Christ-exalting mission, Christ-exalting witness. That's what will happen. So once they come out, that's what we'll pray for. In Luke 3.16 it says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we'll baptize with water, and then Jesus will baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. That we'll have them both stand and pray for them. And when we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for them, you pray for a fresh baptism on yourself too. Because this is subsequent outpourings, eh? It's not one. The disciples were baptized in Acts, Acts chapter 2 with the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 4. Then in Acts chapter 13. So it's a subsequent filling for the sake of extraordinary service, eh? Because what God is calling us to is not small potatoes. So, <laughs> any more kids want to come and see what you'll be doing soon? <laughs> Hi, Phoebe. Uh, because she's going to get baptized. Yeah. Hey, Derek, there's a mic there, eh? So, when you speak, it'll carry. Can you guys hear me? No, you might have to speak louder. All right. We'll, uh, we'll baptize Annie first. Yeah? Can you hear me? All right. Annie, I'm going to ask you a few questions. We've heard your confession of faith, but I'll ask you a few questions and then I'll baptize you. Are we good? Do you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe that you were crucified with Christ and you no longer live and Christ lives in you? Do you publicly proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and that He is the only one who can save? Are you committed to live as part of a body, not as a separate individual, but as part of a body and live as Jesus wants you to live.
It's a big deal, guys. Father, we praise you. Father, we bless you. It's always a pleasure to see someone publicly acknowledging you. Saying, I got eyes only for Jesus. I belong to him. I publicly declare it. I'm surprised at how you still so rejoice over this, Father. How the angels rejoice over one getting saved. But this is, the, is, the, is that act where there, it's a point of no return. It's a point of no return. It's a point of no return. And we thank you for Annie. And we celebrate with her. This point of no return. We'll sing that song, No Turning Back Later. Okay, Megan, am I supposed to stand here or there? You're supposed to stand here. Yeah, facing this way. Okay, um, I know that you already have answers to these questions, but I'm going to ask it anyway for the sake of the rest of the church. Do you, you, do you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? You do. Um, do you believe that you were crucified with Christ when he died on the cross and that you no longer live but he lives in you and that when you go down and come up that's basically what you're symbolizing great so you said yes right okay <laughs> then uh, do you recognize that once you're baptized you're baptized or added to this family the church not Acts 29 just that you become part of the body of Christ. You recognize that. Okay. And do you choose to not live your life as an individual Christian, but as a believer who will be part of a larger family? Okay. She's making a declaration not just to us. She's making a declaration in heaven. She's making a declaration on the earth. She's letting powers know that I belong to one called Jesus Christ who alone is Lord and Savior of my life. Eh? That is why heaven celebrates every time one person decides that this is who I belong to. 
This is who I belong to. I'll be a fool for Christ. That's what she's doing. Last chance, anyone else? Okay.
Water you turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Out of the darkness you rise Into the do-do-do-do There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger Our God is higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome Our God Our God And if our God is for us Then who can be against us And if our God is with us who can stand against? Who can stand against? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. Our God. Water he turned into wine. He opened the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Holy Spirit You're so welcome here Come flood this place And fill the atmosphere Your glory God is what our hearts long for To be over by your Spirit, Lord Pray for these two as we sing it, eh? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by your Spirit, Lord So when they come, we'll pray that what Jesus did happens to them, eh? John baptized them with water, Jesus can baptize them with Spirit and with power Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 Tarry a few more days and the promise of my Father will come upon you, so that you may be witnesses unto me. So that's what we'll pray for them. So I'm going to ask Jeevan and Derek to come. And uh, I'm going to trouble Bob and Lyle up again. And we'll just pray for them. Come, guys. You can just stand here. And uh, so if Lyle, Bob, Derek, Jeevan, Sue, Jillian can come. Hey, there's nothing God desires or we desire than to see you both just become firebrands for God, eh? Set on fire by Jesus Christ for His name to be known. We desire nothing more than that. It doesn't matter which church you will end up going to, which country you will end up going to. My desire for you, Annie, and for you, Megan, is that God sets you alight today by the power of His Spirit, even as we pray right now. And something transpires in your life where you both have extraordinary power for the mission and for the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah? So I'll just read out a few verses. These guys will lay hands on you and we'll pray. Feel free to gather around them, guys.
Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 you heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now Luke chapter 3 verse 16 I baptize you with water but there is one that is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire and guys as we pray for them expect a fresh outpouring on yourself ask God ask God for yourself to cry out to God saying I need a fresh baptism I need a fresh anointing Jeremy you need a fresh filling Nick a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit so ask for that for yourself eh? as they pray so lay hands on them guys yeah so father we just come to you right now as we lay hands on them this was done in the New Testament so many times and you honored it father you honored it so we ask for Megan and Annie Abba we ask Holy Spirit that you do only what you can do we can baptize with water but you can baptize with the Holy Spirit Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Church, shall we all stand up and then lift our hands towards them? Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we speak anointing upon these people in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, may you take control of their lives from this point onwards in Jesus' name. That above nothing can stop them. Nothing, there is nothing that can stop them from accessing you. There is nothing that can stop them from enjoying you. There is nothing that can stop them from celebrating you. There is nothing that can stop them from receiving you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As a body together, as a body together, we receive them. We receive them into our 
family in Jesus name as a body together we receive them into this family into this body in Jesus name and we stand up for them and we speak for them and we celebrate with them in Jesus name thank you father thank you for this wonderful lives amongst us Abba thank you for the things that you have appointed them in your time for them Abba Abba we empower them we speak for power upon them in Jesus name thank you for this beautiful family and together we celebrate with you with you you are celebrating in heaven along with us so we celebrate Abba Abba what a beautiful day it is what a beautiful time it is all glory belongs to you Jesus Christ you have you have given your life as a sacrifice and father you have attracted them and Holy Spirit you have convicted them and you have convinced convinced them and now you take power you take control upon their lives thank you Abba we celebrate with you in Jesus name we pray As they go down, yeah! Paul, you want to come up? dad did you want to say anything Betty did you want to say anything you can come up no not this one the one after the PowerPoints it's there after the pictures after the pictures we put up today. At the end of the pictures.
Welcome, has come. Your kingdom, your kingdom has come. Your will be done. Honor. Through us, guys, eh? Through us, through us, through us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your kingdom has come. 
Bless you guys. If you need prayer, feel free to come up and someone will pray with you. Um, we could go on because Lyle is in the house and so as long as the senior pastor is here, we can just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but feel free to come up for prayer and uh, there will be people here to pray with you. you